Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this live chat is an opportunity for us to take some of the learning that we gathered over years and years of meeting groups for people who'd lost a pet. And we put that, what we learned into a book called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And this forum gives us the opportunity to bring some of what we learned to you. And so we're happy to be with you. And tonight we're gonna continue to answer some questions that we've received. And, and they're fairly, these questions are fairly common ones that you would find in a pet loss group or just that people might be struggling with when they've lost a pet. And we welcome your questions during the program or afterwards, and we'll try to respond to them as well. So Nancy, I'm gonna get started and then I'm gonna read the question and then you can, you can get us started. The question is, I don't know how to tell our six-year-old about our cat's illness. She's dying and we will take her to be euthanized this week. Should he be involved, what do I say? Well, to begin with, I think that we, that you and I have had this experience with people that and ourselves that it's really agonizing to have to make that decision to euthanize. Yeah, it sure is. Um, and a lot of people think that they're you know killing their animal, and um, but they don't want their animal to suffer. Um, some people feel, you know, should I do it now? Should I wait? Is you know, so and that can be a whole other episode on itself by itself, you know, the guilt. And I believe it has been. And yes, we have done that. And we may need to do it again. I mean, this is something that really affects a lot of people. Um, so in this particular case, we're gonna call the cat Serena. Um, but before um we get to that, we can talk about what a six-year-old may understand about death. And six is a little pivotal. So from two to six, you know, death is understood as just temporary and reversible. You know, I mean, you know the cartoons that all the kids watch, you know, we watch them as kids. You know, somebody bats somebody down, they get up and, you know, they run away. Um, and then it may happen to others, um, but they can be fixed, you know. But around six, it's st they start to have a little bit of more of a, of a understanding of, of death. Um, they may have some magical thinking about things. So if they were, say, say they were mad at their pet and all of a sudden it went, coincided with the pet dying, they may think, oh my God, I, I did that, you know. Um, but it doesn't, isn't really until about nine that uh, the kids are really thinking like, like adults that is permanent and universal. But at six, they definitely need to be involved. You know, it's important to involve children. Yeah, I mean, that, that I think right there is important to punctuate, that it's just a good thing to involve your kids in this stage of life, this ending of life. And it's one of the, to, the way I look at it is that pets teach our kids so much about life and and when our pet is dying they're giving them a profound lesson in death right. and death is part of life and we all want to protect our children from pain and sadness but we won't we won't be able to do that the way i think about it is that we're raising adults we're raising a child 
who, with the idea that we want them to be competent adults who are fully capable of navigating all of life's challenges. And so we will help them to deal with mm -hmm. the stress that in, that's involved with knowing their pet is suffering and that the most kind course of action is to end their suffering. And that and that's interesting because it's hard enough for adults to work with this, yep. but yep. there also need to be very cognizant of all of their of their children and the ages they are, because they are the role models. Yep. You no. Know? Yep. And so if it's okay to grieve, but what you can say um, to a child, you know, to a six-year-old or around that age, is that. Um, Serena has been very sick and the veterinarian, the doctor has done all that he or she can do. And uh, Serena will not get better. And so what we're going to do is euthanize, which is the kindest way to take Serena's pain away. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. Serena will die peacefully without feeling hurt or scared. And the doctor will give Serena a shot so that she can calm, be calm. And then another shot to stop her heart. Mm -hmm. And that is about as plain, but direct and informative as you can get. The, the thing that is hard with sleep, and I think that that's something, you know, because um, there, there are two things people say, we're going to put down yeah. our animal or we're going to put him to sleep. Now, that's true. But for kids, we have to be careful because when they start to go to sleep at night, the, you know, they may think, well, what's going to happen to me, you know, if yeah. I go to sleep. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, yeah. And also put down, which is a common euphemism, euphemism for that, is what does that mean for a kid? I don't think that they would quite understand that. Yeah, and, and, and I think that was beautiful, the, the words that you used. And, and another thing parent has to, parents have to keep in mind is that there's going to be a million questions, quite possibly. Yes. Are we killing her? Yeah. And you have to repeat that she's very, very sick that illness that she has is going to end her life. We'll be taking away her pain and suffering. And yes, yeah, she will die, but it's different than if we, when you say kill, that the way I think about it means that you're taking away somebody's life who could live a lot longer and be healthy. And that's not what's going on here. We're taking away the suffering. Yeah, and I think, you know, you want to also, for adults, especially parents, you're not killing your animal, the diseases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that takes it away, that, that part away. You're just helping them not suffer anymore. Their quality of life is not, is not where, it, where it should be. They don't have any anymore. They don't have any, right. Yeah. And so you're just helping them um, not suffer and be peaceful in death as opposed to allowing them to continue to suffer if it's not if nothing's going to help them yep and and what do you think about your child saying i i want to be there i want to be there i don't see that there is anything wrong with that yeah, i mean i 
you can you and I were talking ahead of time. I mean, I took my daughter at all ages to our little funerals that we would have um, with our with our our, our animals. Yep. You know, so I don't think that that's and and it's interesting. I I you know I know I don't know if I have an ex exact experience or have had some experience with a six year old per se, but kids deal with this stuff differently anyway. You know, they may want to, they're curious and they may want to know and they may be sad and then they may just want, okay, you know, when they kind of run around and, and look at other things, you know. Yeah, I, I, I always feel like the thing to do here is to give your kid options mm -hmm. and to let them know that you're, it's fine if you're in the room. And it's fine, it's fine if, if you'd rather not be in the room. It's fine if you come in, but it just feels really sad or uncomfortable and then you and the other parent can go wait outside. You can come in afterwards if you'd like to and just give her a kiss and pat and stay with her for a little while if you'd like. Like, I think that's really the, the key to this is giving your kid as much control as, as you can and trying not to shield them from the reality of what's happening. One of the things I think it's important to think about is that when when something scary or upsetting or something that has a lot of uncertainty connected to it is happening, we tend to default to our worst fantasies. Mm -hmm. And the reality is usually a lot more benign. That's right. And we, we anticipate it or fantasize it to be. Yeah. And so that's something to keep in mind that your child may actually find it soothing to see that this friend actually does go to sleep is very calm is very quiet and then just drifts off with the second injection that might actually be far more soothing than not being there and what and worrying and concocting a thought about what it might be like and 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 being around their parents who are supportive so yeah. so the child has some control but they're also getting supported at the same time you know yeah. Whatever you, you need to do, we're here for you also. We're all here for Serena. Yep. And and if you start crying, that's, that's fine. fine. It's fine. If if you can't stay in the room, but another adult can, that's fine. That's fine. I, I think if the child wants to be in the room during the euthanasia, it would be important for you to be there as a chaperone. Like I, I, I think you'd be, it would be a bit of a dilemma if you felt like you couldn't do it. And you Somebody didn't want to be there. Oh, Some yeah. adult Absolutely. that the child has a connection to, a loving connection to, it would be important for that adult to be in the room with them. So they're not alone with the veterinarian when that happens. Of course. And also, you know, it's, it, you know, the older kids may be there and then need to leave. And that's okay too. Yep. yep. You know, so, and then you can check back with them, you know, if they go outside or whatever. And, you know, after afterwards, how you know, are you okay? You know, how you doing? And so it's it's a it's a loving goodbye, even though it's so sad. You know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think what you said before is something you can never overdo, and that is to tell your child that the reason that your pet is dying because is because of the illness, and the illness has nothing to do with anything that anybody in the family did or didn't do right and to let them know that all of us and children in particular often feel like 
as you said, they have this sort of magical thinking that if I had only something, if, if I had done only, something different, maybe it was my fault. I had done something, and it can be something that's really far removed from what you'd think. It could even be something like if I had only called grandma right, right, more regularly, if I was a better kid, you know. <laughs> I mean, like it, it, it doesn't have to have any logical. So for you to just say that to them and say you may or may this may or may not have any, this may or may not be anything like what you're experiencing. But I just want to let you know that a lot of kids think this way. It's very typical. And so you, there's absolutely nothing that you or any of us could have done that would have made this happen differently. And 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 in, unless, of course, there was an accident or there was some you know really big oversight, then you can talk about how we all none of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. And we do, in fact, sometimes make mistakes. And so all of this, the way I think about it is the whole thing is a learning experience. No matter what what the details are, it's a learning experience. Absolutely. It's a hard, it's hard to go through, but if every all the families together and we allow each one to grieve as they as they grieve, um, it's going to be really help kids as they move into adulthood and how to handle some of these things. And and afterwards too, afterwards, questions, 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 which is part of grief. There may there that may be the case, it may not be the case. But if it is, it's important to just roll with it and mm -hmm. to not say, I've already told you that. Like we've talked about that many, many like to try not to be right. You can answer the questions over and over again. Yep. And even if they say, When is Serena coming home? It's totally not out of the question that that might happen. And you would you would just bring them back to the reality. You bring them back to you would say, you know, sweetie, here's remember what happened. We took her to the veterinarian. We were we were there. The veterinarian gave her the shot to help her to be calm and sleep. Then the other shot to end her her breathing and her heart rate so that she was no longer alive. Like you just go through the whole thing again. You don't. You don't slam them or you know you you understand that that's part of grief there's a there's a part of grief that even for adults it's hard for us to hang on to the reality mm -hmm. and yes. and so we children may come back to it over and over again even if they were absolutely part of it part of the whole, the whole event. Process. yeah yeah so, so any other points that come to mind about this particular question? Um, I mean, we could go into so many, you know, what to do afterwards. And, you know, you started to do that with questions and, and how do you memorialize their, your, your pet or do you do some rituals? People are doing funerals, you know, yeah. these days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's, but it's just really checking in with the kids later though, too, as time yep. goes on. Absolutely. Important. Okay. So let's go to another question. And, and this is about the, the situation where there's just, just a lot of loss mm -hmm. going on all at once. And so the question is, I'm so numb. My grandfather died a month ago and now my cat is very sick and I don't know. I don't know if I can go through this again. 
And I'm going to add to that. Just imagine that there are other losses. Maybe there's a job loss or maybe there's a relationship loss because very, very commonly a person has just a whole bunch of things going on at once that are painful and in one way or another are a loss. Of course. And, and so let's talk about what Well, what I mean, like. the difficulty with any of that is that, you know, we're not, human beings are built to really take on all of that. It's hard to take on one major loss or trauma or death, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, and it could be other things with that. Um, but to have two or three deaths happen at the same time, and right, there could be other things going on, loss of a job, have to move. It's The person is so overwhelmed that I think a lot of times there's just kind of, there was an, is a numbness because they can't, there's no processing. You know, you can't really process what's going on. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's numbness, there's still some denial, there's probably, you know, they, it's, it's, typical that someone would really have a hard time you, to uh, to work with, to go through a process of grieving um, with so many of those losses at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's, this person actually it, it adds, I don't know if I can stand this. How do I yeah. get through this? It, it would be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, the, for that person, support would be really helpful. Um, yeah going to talk to somebody would probably be really helpful just to ground them, you know, to normalize the whole situation. And to normalize how, how incredibly stressful oh my goodness. that is, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, the person probably, you know, is not going to be able to work or to function at, at any high level because they've been too bombarded with all of these feelings of loss and pain and sadness. And so they may well have to take some time away from yeah. work and, and they, it might be a very good idea to get some help. Either some people, it would be a circle of friends or family. It might very well be a therapist who they could talk some of this through with. And when, when, when a person says, I don't know if I can stand this, one of the first responses that I have is that you're probably more resilient than you mm -hmm. imagine, that grief requires us to just put one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. going, and it can feel like you're not going to be able to get through it, but what does that mean exactly? Like, I'd want to know more about exactly. what do you mean when what right. do you mean when you say, I can't stand this? Like, what kind of thoughts are there? Does it ever go to the extreme of saying that you feel like you need to end your life? Exactly. And again, that one of the things that, that I think it's important for people to understand is you will never, you will never prompt a person toward self-destructive behavior by asking if they are thinking about self-destructive behavior. It, it just doesn't work that way. They'll tell you something that will give you more information but you're not going to put the thought in. No, head. you will never put the thought in their head. If the, if the thought was there, it was there. I mean, yeah. you, you put it there. And so if a person says, I can't stand it, I mean, they may well then tell you, well, you know, I'm completely overwhelmed, but I'm not at a point where I feel like I'm going to completely collapse. I, I just know that this is the most overwhelming series of losses and stresses I've ever experienced. 
and and it's so unfortunate because you and I have had those experiences with people that they've had multiple things happen in a very short period of time. Sure. Now, and, now, do you do you find that sometimes that people literally grieve those in some kind of a sequence? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've seen. Or or it can be so much altogether. Yeah. yeah. Or they have to pray, like if they lost a job, well, I'm not worrying about the job right now. I'm worried at the, and I'm I'm upset and grieving over my cat and or my grandfather and or my, you know. Yeah. So they they have to prioritize it almost in some ways. Yeah. You know, because it all it feeds into how you feel. But it's it's interesting that, you know, well, I'm not worried about my job right now. <laughs> you know, I'm so in pain with, with the death of my grandfather. I'm, I'm so in pain with, with the death of my cat, you know. So, um, but yes, sometimes they have to, you have to do that because you can't possibly I, take all this in. And yeah, that's I, numbness, you know, because the numbness covers all of that up, you know, yeah, you just go into yeah. some kind of altered state almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they will come to some kind of calm maybe about one of the losses and then another one will become very present in their heart and in their thinking. And, that, and I, I feel like, again, there's no right way to do this as long as you're able to function in a basic way, you're able to sort of take care of yourself and any any dependents who who absolutely need you to be able to care for them it, it's it but this is unfortunately this happens in life and it can be incredibly traumatic and oh, incredibly course. difficult mm -hmm. and and, one and foot some, in front of the other some some people though will do see that's what they'll do though because they'll completely shut it all out so they'll be delayed grieving so that you know all of a sudden you know they're going to just go back to work they're going to do what they need to do they'll take care of what they need to take care of because they can't even fathom dealing with all of that that pain now we, they have to be careful with that obviously because that it's going to come out at some point in time. yeah i mean it, and 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 when you when you do that like you said it 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 gets you in one way or another, but but that may be adaptive in the moment. That right. may be adaptive. Yeah, it like may be adaptive. If you've lost your, like you've lost, you're gonna be evicted, you've lost your home or you need to move, you may need to pull everything together to make that happen. And then when you're situated again. Then it, then it, can, it comes in force. Yeah, yeah. It's delayed, it, it can be delayed. Hard stuff. Really no, hard stuff. I mean, one loss is is difficult, and and over this past year, it has been even more difficult for everybody. Right. That's a really. You know? it's, it's always important to keep this context in mind. That the context of this lockdown, and and many people have lost their jobs, or their jobs have changed in ways that are incredibly stressful. And they've lost family members. Or, yeah, you know, and they've actually lost. They've had deaths in the family. They or, or they they or others have become very ill. This is a this is a time that it, it's really a season of loss yeah. that's been rolling now for a year. more than a year. Yeah, more than a year. I mean, it certainly is you know a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, globally. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll move on to another question, maybe somewhat related, and this is 
and this one is I've I've been basically incapacitated for almost a month. Is this normal? And of course, that's all we have. We don't have more than that. But, but that's that's similar to what we were just talking about. That yeah, ways yeah. because people could become numb. They become incapacitated. Now, depending on what's going on and how many losses they've had, and this what we just talked about here. Um, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, being evicted. I mean, you know, so you can understand the incapacitation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, it, and again, as long as you're able to, to do the basics, no, it's not. But it, I, I would say after a month, you kind of deserve uh, to get some help. Oh, no, no. You de it would be helpful to find yeah. someone to talk to. That's, that's a long time to be to describe yourself sure. as being incapacitated, that's a long time. And also there are groups. So, you yeah. know, a lot, there are a lot of different grieving, you know, bereavement groups. Um, there's there's a lot of online support. You know, some people are isolated in rural areas. You know, maybe there aren't a lot of therapists. They can't access people online now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so, so some individual support, some group support, you know, um, you know, to, to maybe have ability to reach out to a, to a doctor to get some resources, you know, so it's really important. Yeah. And you're allowed to do that. It's important for you to get help because none of us can go through this alone, you know, so especially if it's been a period of time. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing that, that, I keep coming back to this word about of, of deserve that we deserve to have support. We deserve to take care of ourselves. We deserve to see a therapist if that will be helpful for us. That oftentimes people feel like they have to sort of tough it. Tough yes, it well, there's certain cultures that are worse than others, yeah. but yes, yeah. you know that we and, have to power through and and do what we're supposed to do. And, but, and we deserve to have whatever resources are gonna help us to move through the most challenging points of our lives. I'll, I'll go to just we, one, more, one more question. It's actually one that, that I think we've talked about right from the beginning. And that is that the person says, I miss my cat so much that it's a lot more than I said. Oh, I've been grieving more than I did for my parents and grandparents. And it's we had almost <laughs> every single person that ever came to the group yeah. say that because yeah. yeah. they couldn't believe that they would grieve so much for this little animal that they loved over their parents yeah. or a spouse yeah. or, you know, and then, of course, grandparents, siblings, you know, and they would literally think that something was wrong with them. Yeah, something's wrong with my heart. Something's wrong with my soul. And that's the kind of that's really what I feel is the underlying question. And 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 the way that, that we've always looked at it is that however you feel is how you feel. And it doesn't it's not like you are weighing this loss against any other. I mean, the we can certainly we can certainly tell you that this is very, very typical and that the way that we think about it is that it has to do with the, the closeness. I mean, your exactly. animal lives with you. They sleep on top of you, perhaps. They, they're always attentive to you. The relationship is very uncomplicated. They are 
probably if it if they died later in life, you probably had to care for them in ways that are extremely intimate. Intimate. And 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 all of that creates a kind of connection that is quite unique. And it's like a huge chunk of your life goes away with this relationship. And it certainly doesn't say anything about having loved anybody who's a human being and a member of your family any less. It just is different. It's just different. You can't have a relationship with an animal like you can with a human. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, so what, you know, the one thing that I, I think is we always come back to in this, in this kind of a question is don't layer judgment on top of the, the pain you're already experiencing. You just, you just don't need to do that. That there's, there is no need to, to rank your loss or to decide that somehow there's something amiss because this one feels so bad. It's grief is hard enough. Mm. It's hard mm. enough. And, and, and we, the, there are so many mysteries about the human heart that we, you can't really explain this stuff. You just get through it and you get wiser and you, you live, you live beyond it. And so, so when we hear that, we always are very much just saying, look, we hear it all the time. There's this nothing the, wrong with you. There's nothing right. right. There's nothing yeah. wrong. It's absolutely common for this to be the case. So these are our children. <laughs> for a lot of people, they are yeah. children. I was my gym is now downstairs, and as I said, I have this office that's being put together in a different because the gym is downstairs because I can't go to the gym. But my cat, my barn cat, who went in and out of the heated room in the barn, that room is now being made into an office. So Esme is living in the basement and she's, you know, all set up down there and it's heated and all of that. But when I work out, she's all over me. <laughs> so of course she I'm is. There, I'm down there and I'm on the floor doing these stretches and I've got a cat on my chair. <laughs> I'm and taking so my sneakers off, right? I'm sitting on the bench. And I'm like, you gotta move when I'm lifting, you know, I, she's hard <laughs> about that. But when, and I'm like, you know, how could you not feel tremendous love? I mean, these, some of these animals, they just want to be with you all the time. And They're it's like Velcro. Oh, so, it's so endearing. And, you know, my little chihuahua, one of my chihuahuas is sleeping next to me, right? So when they go, oh, it's, it's, it's brutal. Huge, it's a huge Perfect. chunk of our lives. I know. So. Anyway, those are those are my closing thoughts. Anything you want to say before we wrap? No, up? I, I, it's true. I think that animals give us such gifts. You know, <laughs> they give us more gifts than we probably give them. But all we do I is just it. love them. Uh, that's a great note to end on. So great, great talking with you again, and we'll talk again next week. Of course.